Karen Thorne is an astrologer, and she's quite a good astrologer. I have had a very long, wonderful relationship with astrology. To me, Elizabeth Racine has not only been my mentor and a sister, but she taught me so much about astrology, and she's just unbelievable. I met Karen not too long ago, and it was more of a conversation about everything, not specifically astrology, that really appealed to me about her intuitive nature. There's another very interesting connection I had with her because we're literally days apart in age, and our life experience just from a time perspective is the same. So I was able to really understand the depth of her abilities and how her experience and the time she's been doing her work really has, has her at a very knowledgeable, experienced time in her life and a great time to benefit from all the work she's done through the years. I thought it would be interesting to share a conversation with Karen with all of you. I think you're really going to have a great takeaway and a lot of wonderful information. So, Karen Thorne. So, I'm very happy that Karen Thorne is here. I had a wonderful meeting with you and I think there is a few reasons why I felt very connected to you. One, I think, has to do with generationally. We have so much in common in mm-hmm. our charts, just from the life's, the lifespan we've led and our references are all the same. And we've been doing our careers almost yeah. the same amount yeah. of time. So we have a lot of similarities mm-hmm. in just in life and so that's always comforting and that's always a nice thing um and the other thing is i i am and always have been fascinated by astrology and we're finally in a time where people understand that there's information available in places that were considered not so acceptable And and now, I I don't think there's a person who has any question about, well, there are some, but more people than not are thinking there is something about astrology, and at least they know there's sun signs, right? They know there's sun signs. It's the smallest part of the astrology chart. So explain why. Uh, Ten planetary and mathematical points in the chart. The sun is only one of them. And it's interesting that some people read horoscopes. Um, You're reading your sun sign. And in the chart, what your sun sign is, is who you're meant to be in your career and the outer world. The moon sign, which changes every two days of the month of that sign, is your private, personal, intimate, emotional self. So the interesting thing that people don't realize is that men are ruled by the sun. It's Apollo. 
It comes up the same every day, goes across the sky, comes up, the, it never changes. Mm -hmm. Women are ruled by the moon, which changes constantly. We know that. Sometimes <laughs> it's invisible. It's always a mystery. All right. And because the sun rules men, they're about 70% their sun sign. 30% oh, their emotional moon sign mm -hmm. makes sense. Women are 60 to 70% their moon sign. So, unless you had your chart cast, you wouldn't know what your moon sign is. Yeah. So, you could read yourself as a Pisces, but have an Aries moon. Yeah. And then be thinking, well, it's a little me, but gosh, that's, I'm not right. that casual about mm -hmm. life. Yeah. And then you find out what your moon sign is, and it fills in. It's how a person is in love relationships. Mm -hmm. So when people ask what signs they're compatible with, you have to go to the moon sign. Mm -hmm. Your moon compatible with someone else's moon. And then that doesn't even answer the question, because I don't believe people get together because of compatibility. Mm -hmm. I think, um, I totally believe in reincarnation. I think a story between two people is 2,000 years old. Mm -hmm. If you were deeply in love with that person and you meet them again in this lifetime, no matter what sign they are, you'll think they're fabulous. Yeah. yeah. So I don't encourage people to go looking for a Taurus mm -hmm. or a such right, and such. Right. So, in understanding your own personal chart, because basically, when people realize that there is something to astrology, and they want to know more, and they do, I, I, I find that more and more, what advice would you give them to help educate themselves about knowing a little bit about what their chart is about so they have a little bit of an understanding of I think the most important thing is to find out what your moon sign is okay especially if you're a woman and if you're in a relationship with a man and you want to know about how he is in a love relationship you have to look at his moon sign really getting the chart done I think you can't really judge it unless you've had a reading by a reputable mm. astrologer. Certainly, I wouldn't believe in it. The other thing is sometimes people think of it as an occult thing, mm -hmm. like swinging a pendulum. That'll knock out Virgo's Capricorns. They won't believe in it. But it's all math. It's not an occult. Mm, yeah. it, it's before the computer. It took hours do all the math to cast one chart. Mm. So I was only doing like three charts a week. Oh my God. Now I do. I got my first computer in 1983. And when I put the name, date, longitude, latitude, boom, there was a chart. I almost fainted. I'm still that amazed. Right. Because I did it for so long yeah. through the math. So you have to have it. Now you can get your chart cast online, free of charge on many sites. And then there are books that will help mm -hmm. you look up. Like you, if you have your chart, you'll see, well, I have 
Venus and Taurus in the 10th house. Venus and Taurus means so much. And then in the 10th house? Means something else. Right out there. <laughs> the other reason I think people should know astrology, I think you're born your truth. And then if there is dysfunction in your childhood environment, being your truth might not be safe. So we manufacture different behavior patterns to survive the yeah. dysfunction. Yeah. It becomes a false personality. People bring that into adult relationships. Mm. And some people live and die with that false yeah. personality. I have found that if you are aggressing toward achieving something from a false personality, the one you created to handle childhood, it never works. You might get the job, but you hate it, or you don't get the job, or you get whatever mm -hmm. doesn't work. When you find your truth that the chart shows, and you aggress from that perspective, mm -hmm. Norma, everything you do succeeds. Mm. So knowing your truth. I used to be really an intellectual snob and elitist, and I believed in therapy, for goodness sakes, and philosophers my whole life. So now I don't. Mm. <laughs> I don't think analysis helps. I think analysis of why you are having repetitive problems makes you smarter, but it's not a healing. Mm. You don't get, oh, now I'm happy, mm -hmm. or now I can change. Awareness, but maybe not. You get smarter, right. yeah. but you know, you're still depressed yeah. after 10 yeah. years of therapy. You look at the chart, see what your truth is, you know, like what's your truth when it comes to anger, love, money. Mm -hmm. And basically, I feel, if you start emulating those positive characteristics, it's such a powerful truth. It may seem strange in the beginning, but it kicks in as a reality. Yeah. It'll quickly. be your comfort zone. You'll, you'll so we're going to get to the truth yeah. for you to move forward. An yeah. example is, I have Mars in a sign, Taurus, which means if someone makes me angry, so do I. My truth <laughs> is to stand there like a bull right. and face it down. But when I was a toddler and a child, there was so much fighting and violence around me. When I, as an adult, would have gotten angry, but as a child, I ran into the bathroom and cried. I brought that into every adult relationship. <laughs> That's how I handled <laughs> anger. And then I started experimenting, pretending I was Mars and Taurus. And things worked out. They worked out. Mm. I think this is one of the best things about right. astrology. I used to think it was predictions. I used to think when I was in my 20s and I got the key to predictions, I thought, all right, I've got the answer to life. Mm. I know what to avoid, where not to mistakes, what, you know, everything that's right. coming. But I don't think that's the point. The end result I'd like my clients to be is, well, I'll tell you, I asked a Capricorn once if he wanted his predictions done for the year. This is typical Capricorn. He said, nah, I'll play it anyway it comes up. And I thought, yes. 
That's our goal. All right. Know ourselves so well and trust that if we act our truth, only the best can happen. Mm -hmm. That's the goal. So there are certain traits for each sign. Could you just like run through so that we see sort of the the big kaleidoscope of colors in the... Yes, in and the... you can think of the gods and goddesses or the planets as the archetypal projections of the collective unconscious. So the collective unconscious has an archetype of war that we project out and it's the planet Mars, mm -hmm. the god of war. And so each god or goddess has these qualities. Mm -hmm. I like to say they create minions in their image and send them to Earth to represent <laughs> okay. who they are. So Aries is a fire sign. Mm -hmm. It's fast, multitasking, brave, risk taker, charges straight ahead all the time. If it's an unevolved soul, they leave a wake of flattened out people behind them. <laughs> if they're more evolved, they're more creative because a fire sign. A fire can be the fire of destruction, which I would say would be an unevolved. Mm -hmm. Aries that make you all wound up. That's mm -hmm. the fire of destruction. They eat you up. Then there's the fire of creation. And that, that would be the goal for mm -hmm. Pisces. Mm -hmm. For an air. Oh. For Aries? Or for Aries. Aries, yes. And Taurus is made by Venus, and she's all about everything beautiful, beautiful. lovely, and yeah. artistic. All Venus people, which is Libra and Aries, are beautiful. Astrologers will say, they'll say, what sign are you? And they'll go, oh, Libra, because it's so famously beautiful. Right. And it's also about justice. So Libra's and Taurus, both ruled by Venus, have a strong sense of justice. Yeah. Then you get to Gemini, it's about communications. They're wisdom seekers. If they aren't relating to anybody fascinating, they get depressed. <laughs> oh my God. Really? <laughs> Not an emotional sign. All about the transference of wisdom, communication, and knowledge. So an unevolved Gemini would be a gossip. An evolved Gemini would be a journalist. Yeah. Um, cancer, all emotions. It's a water sign. Water signs are deep and they're psychic and they don't know it. They think it's their common sense, but other people don't have access to that kind of common sense. They're just psychic but they're very emotional. And you know, there's something about cancer. The constellation is the crab. And I don't know if you or anyone else has ever gone crabbing as a child, but it's not like fishing, you don't need a hook. You just put a little piece of bait on a string, drop it between the rocks, and as soon as that crab pinches onto it, it will never let go. <laughs> so you can lift it out and twirl it in the sky. Right. It won't let go. And the difficulty with cancers is they don't let go of the past, even when it can lead to their destruction. Like that crab could die holding mm -hmm. on to mm -hmm. that thing. So the difficult part of cancer is don't look back. Mm. 
holding on to things, past hurts, haunts them. Mm. The evolved cancer is the nurture. And then we go to Leo is the sign of regalness. Mm -hmm. Jackie Onassis, perfect. And signs are fixed or mutable. It's exactly what it sounds like. Leo is a fixed sign. Taurus, Scorpio, Leo, and Aquarius. That means they don't jump tracks very often. Mm -hmm. The difficult part of that is that they get stuck in a stance. Mm. Especially Leo. Leos have a lot of pride. They might get stuck in a stance and then figure out in the interaction that they're wrong. But their pride is too strong. Yeah, they <laughs> They've locked themselves yeah. in. And then they don't know how to get out of it. So, and mutable signs are the ones that will, if they hear something more interesting or intelligent, they'll go with that. And the next sign, Virgo, is a mutable sign. What other signs are mutable? Pisces, Sag, and Gemini. And they stay young and vibrant because they switch tracks. Mm -hmm. And an unevolved one would switch tracks with whichever way the wind blows. Right. <laughs> and the more evolved, mutable sign reasons it out. Mm -hmm. If it sounds better than their idea, they're excited. Yeah. They're really yeah. excited. So Virgo is the next sign ruled by Mercury. Virgo is like the smartest sign. They have the quickest mind. So the unevolved Virgo has the reputation of being a nitpicker because they can look at anything, a room, a book, a person mm -hmm. that's not working. They know exactly what the problem is and how to solve it. Mm -hmm. It's like being analytical, assimilating it and communicating yeah. it in a second. So it's very hard not to tell people what to do. <laughs> right. Very hard. Right. So I have clients who's a Virgo sun and maybe a Cancer moon. And what they're supposed to keep that analytical, critical ability in their career and get paid for it. Mm -hmm. But bring it, they bring it in to their personal relationships. <laughs> and it won't work. No. If their moon is in Pisces, it's at home and with loved ones, you're supposed to be free and easy, mm -hmm. compassionate. So this is a sort of another reason why you should know. I mean, yeah, very few know. people yeah. are their truth, but it's right there in black and yeah. white. Yeah. And then Libra, another sign ruled by Venus. It's funny. Of all the things on the earth, these 12 signs rule everything. So there's a lot under one sign. Mm. Libra is love and art and justice. It's the criminal mm -hmm. system. And you say, well, what's the connection? And I realized one time Michelangelo was trying to define perfect beauty in the sketch of that man who was mm -hmm. a Kimbo. And his solution was perfect beauty is symmetry. Mm -hmm. it gives me goosebumps. Mm -hmm. what, what sign was Michelangelo? Do you know? I don't remember. But. What would you guess? Leo. Really? Yeah. 
Yeah, he, he from his paintings. Yeah, he didn't like to be told what to do so much. <laughs> but see, the way I am, I will look that up tonight. Yeah, no. And I will do his transits I and know, see I'm what he's thinking. I know. <laughs> I, 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 when I grew up, I had Michelangelo everything all over my room. I was obsessed, obsessed. And when I went to Pietro Santa, where he did the David, I literally was in tears. I was so moved. I, it's unreal. Yeah, he, he just to me was an extraordinary part of the human species. I mean, what he contributed and his talent was extraordinary. And it inspired me to, to think, well, if a human being can do that, every human being should be able to do something that's contribute something. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious. You have to let me know as soon as I'm you going do. to I need to know. So so the balance mm -hmm. and the beauty of so Libra. And, the, and, and if, if it's symmetry and then you just go to a word processor processor after you type everything you can push this button that says justify where the columns are perfect. Right, right. And so there's something about justice and beauty. Yeah. Oh Fascinating. Isn't it? Fascinating. The next sign, Scorpio, poor Scorpios, they get a terrible a bad reputation. Rap. Bad rap, yeah. But there's the underside of every sign mm -hmm. and the positive. And I call Scorpios deep, dark, and delicious. They're a mystery, <laughs> they're deep. Yeah. A relating epic is Homer's Pluto and Persephone. Mm -hmm. Pluto's the god of the underworld, which is Scorpio. Everything that's hidden, hidden. or secret is yeah. Scorpio. And he abducts Persephone, who's just a maiden. She's terrified. Terrified beyond belief. And it's, a, it, it's something you should read Homer's mm -hmm. version, and then read the Jungian version. And? which changes Persephone from being a slut who succumbed to sex because she ate the pomegranate to the Persephone down there and, and he's courting her. At some point a messenger comes and says, oh, your mother's going crazy, serious, the earth goddess. She's, she's going to dry the earth up until you come back and make Zeus, make Pluto bring you back to earth. And she's coming. And according to Jung, or my imagination now, I can't remember, <laughs> she grabbed that pomegranate and gobbled it because she didn't want to leave. <laughs> so she wasn't the victim of right, right, right. And But Scorpios always have that journey. They often get pulled into something frightening they have no control over. And when they come out, they're not... Scorpios aren't just survivors. She came back a goddess. Mm. They come back better than yeah, ever. Yeah. And we do that maybe every 15 years. We have a Pluto transit. Mm -hmm. And we're thrown into a situation like being fired or attacked mm -hmm. or a divorce, a divorce, and we have no control yeah. over it and we're terrifying. Mm -hmm. It's like scorched earth, everything's got yes. to start all over again. And other signs can survive, mm. 
But Scorpios, and you have it maybe every 15 years of Pluto transit, Scorpios do that 10 times before breakfast every day. They go to the dark side. All Scorpios have dark moods that they're famous for. That is so funny. And then they come out of it. That's so funny. Sometimes Scorpios themselves are scared of their dark moods. But I tell them it's their cosmic DNA to go to the underworld all day. Yeah. And then you find out as you evolve, the underworld was everything everybody was afraid of because anybody who went there died and never came back. But that you see through Pluto and Persephone, it's a whole world Mm -hmm. of mystery and beauty and seduction. Mm -hmm. And that's what she saw. Mm -hmm. After Scorpio is Sagittarius, optimistic fire sign rules gypsies because they want to keep moving. So an unevolved Sag is a traveler. Mm. The more evolved the soul gets, <clears throat> if they're a Sagittarius, um, they're done with traveling the earth. They want to break through consciousness and travel through mm. the different levels of reality mm-hmm. and things like that. So it also rules spirituality, religion, mm-hmm. and philosophy. Capricorn is my favorite sign. That's the guy that said, I'll play it any way it comes up. And I thought, that's the answer. Yeah. Capricorns are the sign, they never believe in astrology. But often someone will give them a gift, for example, of coming to me. And I do the astrology of their business and money. And they come back all the time. <laughs> Because they think of it as an occult science. And when they see it's math, it's it's all different. And then Aquarius, Michael Luton, famous astrologer, used to be my teacher. (laughs) He said... Very funny guy, too, right? He said, if you know know an Aquarian, you know that aliens are among us. (laughs) They vibrate on a very high intellectual level. It's a, it's not a passionate sign, and it's a sign of the visionaries of the yeah, future. Yeah. And the last sign, Pisces. Pisces has one foot. They never forgot heaven. They have one foot in heaven and one on earth. And the mean streets are physically painful to them. Really. Physically. Yeah. And so they're the sign that needs to have escapes. The unevolved Pisces reputation is an addict and an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. They, they can't handle the mean streets. When they become more evolved, they still have to escape reality, but they'll do it through film, photography, mm-hmm. binge-watching yeah. movies, yeah. something. And when a person gets a transit from Neptune, who rules Pisces, Mm -hmm. no matter what sign they are, they're experiencing Piscean things, and they need to escape reality. Then they can find out what it's like to be a Pisces. Mm -hmm. So that was very good. That was very good. You know, I've always asked people what sign they are when hiring them, but years ago you couldn't because it was a form of discrimination. And and I and I 
understood if I asked people would just feel like, are you going to hate me because I'm a Pisces or whatever? And I thought, like, I, what a strange thing to say. I mean, right. it's, um, but now I do it, um, we do these pre-interviews on the phone and it's for a specific position and I like to talk to people on the phone first because when you meet someone there's another impression but I just want to hear them and it's good really get the soul of the person and so after either I'm having the conversation or someone else depending on the position and I'll listen to how they articulate the work they do and then I'll say, and uh, what sign are you? And they'll, what, excuse me? What did you say? <laughs> I'll say, you know, um, what sign are you? Some people will know right away, and they'll say, am I rising? This, my, and others will say, I think I'm a, I think I'm a Leo. And, yeah. um, and they say, is that good or bad? And well, you're not going to hire a Leo to do menial work for everybody. Yeah, well, so, so this is exactly, so this is, this is exactly what I'm thinking about. When I'm looking to fill a position, each position can be approached in a different way, right? So if you're a pattern maker or in sales or whatever, if you have a certain type of personality, so in sales, let's say, we have a bunch of Leos who are the friendliest and the nicest to everyone mm -hmm. and I get a million compliments and they're just incredible in the, the position we have here the type of work that it's not sales per se but it's in that category if I'm gonna hire a Gemini this person will travel and they'll go place to place or a sash they'll go from place to place that kind of sales so I think about the kind of um, and then if I'm uh, if I'm doing my skin line I'll hire I'll have maybe the the one that would express that sales the best you know Scorpios were often alchemists in past lives and they put formulas together really mm -hmm. well. So interesting because I just hired a Scorpio to be a part of that team. The the and so it's not that somebody is a good or bad sign. It's that how compatible to and, and sometimes is it using their gifts? Yeah, and That's sometimes it, yes. I uh, I'll say you know, you keep, you seem to be going from job to job, You're like three months here, six months there. I mean, I'm shocked actually that I'm looking at this and you moved around so much and I'm talking to you and, and they'll say, I'm, I'm trying to find myself and, and, and I'll look at it and I'll say, they're, they're looking for a job that is so disconnected from what the typical sign Not is they truth. are. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering if they're, if they're not, they shouldn't be looking for something bigger. But it's fascinating that people are really um, open now to having a conversation about their sign. And obviously you know this because people want 
people will call me. Yeah. With the say they're going to hire an agent, they'll give me four different agents and their birthdays, or a nanny. Um, if you hire a nanny that's a cancer, you are going to be really happy. <laughs> she will love those kids. Yeah. She will cook for them. She will do everything. I do that all the time, choosing yeah. the best possible. But it, it when a lot of people come because they have no idea what they should do. And you just tell them what their gifts are. Mm, mm. And that's the way to go. Yeah. And and then the other question is always, what's the right sign for me? You know, I'm sure you hear that all the time. All the time. And, and you've sort of opened up with enough of, well, the, you know, it's not just the sun, it's the moon. Mm. So I have a question for you when you, you were saying men are the, the sun, sun and there's so much, 70% the sun and women are the moon, obviously, uh, with all our cycles, We're how can moon. we not be moon? But, um, so the moon does tell you a lot about men. So if you have a moon sign, would you think that a, a partner with a moon sign the same would be a good thing? Or how, how would you... That works it? out perfectly, but it never happens. <laughs> well, I happen to have that with... Oh, you have yes, that. Yes, yes. Aquarius, right? Yeah, Aquarius, Aquarius. Well, that's the ideal. Because it shows a common, you know, and it's about who you are when you stay home mm -hmm. in a family with best, best friends right. and your intimate relationships. And so you could have totally opposing sun signs. That's not going to matter if your moon sign is the same. Mm -hmm. There's a commonality of what gives you emotional well-being. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is, um, in the charts... The, picture the wheel and the planets all around, right. and I, being half Virgo, color code the mathematical aspects <laughs> they make to each well, other. So you're, what do you mean by half Virgo? My moon is in, I'm a Gemini with moon. the moon in Virgo, and so I'm more Virgo right. than Gemini, and Virgos are very ordered, and... The biggest story about your chart is not even the sun signs and the moon signs and whatever. In the chart, the way the planets are distributed in the circle, they make mathematical aspects to each other. Mm -hmm. Like a moon, if it's 90 degrees away from your Mars, it's a square. Mm -hmm. and. Looking at the aspects of all the person's different parts, and if they're easy aspects or hard aspects, tells the whole story of their mm -hmm. life. If your sun is in um, 180 degrees away from your moon, you have a huge conflict all the time of who should I be. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the moon and the sun are in gorgeous, easy aspect. And that's like what you see is what you get. Mm -hmm. They have no inner conflict about it. And the other thing that the squares and oppositions in a chart show are where in your early life you got the kibosh put on your truth. So you can see it right there. Yeah. So astrology is not a cult. It's based on math. 
Einstein, when he was 19, wondered, looking at the night sky, he wondered, how does God think, he wanted to know. And his conclusion was that God thought in math. Math is true and perfect. It's the basis of the universe. Math has power. Angles have power. Mm -hmm. If a planet is in a soft angle to another planet in your chart, wonderful, lucky things happen. If you're born with it, where they're 90 degrees square, that's where your trouble and frustrations come from. Math has qualities, and I'll tell you, everybody asks me if Pluto's a tr uh, planet. It's such a planet, and it doesn't even matter whether it is or mm. not. Because when Pluto aspects your chart, he was the god of death, when you get a Pluto, a temporary Pluto cycle, something dies. A hundred things it could be, mm -hmm. one could be your personal death, but more likely it's a divorce, the end of a job, mm -hmm. a, a litigation that you lose. So the angle that it comes to you makes a difference. There's another thing in the chart called the North Node. It's where two elliptics cross, and where they cross each other is called the dragon's head and the dragon's tail, or the North Node and the South Node. It's not even a material planet or fragment or asteroid. It's just a mathematical point. And when it makes a transit to your chart, all those things happen. That really is mystifying. Mm -hmm. So obviously the astrology is in the stars, so it's in the heavens. When do you have any information about when astrology began or how it was devised that this is what we should, this is the math we should calculate? What, it's what, like the first system of knowledge. Yeah. Early man developed. Well, what else was there, right? Well, look at it this way. In ancient times, you're traveling on desert, ocean, mountains, and the only way you would know where you are is to look up. Mm -hmm. And it was an accurate system of where everything was. So now we don't need it. But God doesn't make things disposable. Now it shows us where we are emotionally and psychologically. When you don't know, you can look up, and it tells you. Mm -hmm. There's endless amount of knowledge. The only limit is how much we've learned to figure out. But people get lost psychologically and emotionally, and the planets still work. Yeah. Cycles come. You have your birth chart that stays the same, but the planets keep moving throughout life, and every time, if you have something at 10 degrees, and something in the heaven comes at 10 degrees, it triggers events. And it triggers the events depending on who that god or goddess is. So if you have Neptune squaring your sun, which is your identity, Neptune's the god of the ocean, people get it for a year or two at a time, and when you're under the ocean, you don't see things very clearly. People with Neptune transits come and they don't know who they are, where they are, what to do. They have no idea of a sense of self. 
there are things that go along with this when you do predictions. Like if you're underwater, you could see something lovely like shining amber. Mm -hmm. And you say, oh, that's so pretty. You pick it up, you bring it into the daylight, and it's a rusty anchor. <laughs> <All right. laughs> when people are aspected right. by transit by Neptune, they become targets for con artists. Mm -hmm. Things look beautiful to them mm -hmm. that are absolutely worthless. So you, you tell them, don't invest in a business. It's going to look fabulous. Mm -hmm. It'll leave you with an empty mm -hmm. pocket. Mm -hmm. Be aware of taking advantage of mm -hmm. So those things are helpful. And how often do these transits take place? I mean, they, um, so the Saturn transit is, is how often in a person's life? I heard you the other day talk about when you were 30, the turning point. That's a, that's a, is that the, the first Saturn Well, transit? that's the one most people hear about. It's mm -hmm. called the Saturn return. <clears throat> so where Saturn was at birth, anywhere between 28 to 30 right. years old, it's going to come back to that same place. Right. In astrology, that's when you're an adult. If everybody waited right. until that age to get married, that would be, be much divorces. better. Yes. <laughs> right. And everything you do, college, jobs, up to 28 through 30, it's more of an experimentation. And when you get that Saturn return is almost always when people choose the path they're going to stay on for 14 years. Mm -hmm. So when people say, I don't know what you want, I don't know what you want, and they're 24, it doesn't matter. Well, yeah, you'll find out. Maybe, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> you'll find Will out. I stay in this job forever? Mm. Probably you'll change at 28. Yeah, so getting married at 19, and I know we've talked about this, in, in our generation, and, and we're just like days apart, I think. Days apart. Days apart. Love so, it. Um, in our generation... You really didn't leave the house if you weren't going to leave to get married. Living with Nobody someone did. was like, what? You, would you stayed that. home till you got married. Yeah. And, and it, wasn't, it wasn't a religious thing. It was, it, some of it was. It was cultural. But, but it was, this is the right thing to do. And um, to get married at 19 meant, I need to leave this house. <laughs> I need to get out mm -hmm. of this house. Exactly. And of course, you're, you're 19, so you're going to jump so into another. So that's one of the reasons you get married is the only way out. <laughs> and then you find it's like from the frying pan into the fire because like how smart are you at 19 to make the right decision mm -hmm. about supposedly the person you're going to spend the rest of your life with. So... And now, and also when I was younger, very few people were unmarried. Everybody got married. Yes. Like a woman could not go out right. alone or with a group of right. women. That I'm talking about the 40s, 50s, yeah. even 60s. Mm -hmm. um, so men couldn't go to a bar and meet women. No. If they wanted to know a woman, they had to ask her on a date. And if they wanted to live with her, they had to get married. Mm -hmm. Now, I have clients, I, I don't know what to say, but they're gorgeous, they're smart, they're productive, they're successful, unmarried, haven't had a date in 10 years. And 
this is what's happened. Another strange phenomena about astrology. In the discovery of the planets, when the astronomer who discovered it, they get to name it. And the strange thing is what they happen to name that transit like Neptune, the god of the ocean. It turns out when people get Neptune cycles, they're underwater. It completely fits. And when Uranus was... What do you mean by they're underwater? They experience what that god is all about. But he was named randomly. Mm -hmm. But it's exactly what that god is famous for that happens to people when they get that transit. And it's like, the thing about marriage is um, when planets are discovered, it is also synchronistic with the leap in consciousness of mankind. So when Uranus was discovered, who was god of industrialization, that was literally the beginning of the industrial age. Mm -hmm. Next planet, Neptune, in the 1860s to something. When that planet was discovered, well, Neptune rules other realities and illusion. Ether started to Mm -hmm. be used globally as an anesthetic. All of a sudden, there was anesthesia, Mm -hmm. things like that. When Pluto was discovered, before that, earlier man didn't have these planets, Mm -hmm. no telescopes. So the god of war was Mars until 1930, when Pluto was discovered. Mm -hmm. Pluto's the higher octave of Mars. So from early man to 1930, Mars is our god of war. And he was hand-to-hand personal combat. Like, right. you know, yeah. battles clashing. And, and um, it was very personal. Then Pluto's discovered, which is a higher octave of Mars, which means annihilation, like war, on an unbelievably vast concept. And what did it coincide with but the rise of Hitler? Now war was the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So every time a planet's discovered, it is synchronistic with some, oh, well, when this is what I was getting to, and then it changes signs. So Pluto's the god of death. In the 70s, Pluto went into Libra for 12 years. Libra rules marriage. That was the annihilation. Yeah. That's why people are single now. I always see it as scorched earth. Like, whatever was, it's scorched earth after Pluto does its thing. And there's no trace. That's so true. There's no trace. There's no plant. There's no twigs. There's no branches. There's nothing. It was the destruction of marriage. It was free love and communes and everything. And the next sign it went into in the 80s, was Scorpio. And what did we have in the 80s? Death through sex. It was AIDS. When Pluto in the 90s went into Sagittarius, which rules religion, 
pretty much the death of the Catholic Church because that's when all the exposés came out mm -hmm. about abuse in the church. Mm -hmm. And then in 2008, Pluto, which destroys, went into Capricorn, which rules money, and that was the financial crisis. Wow. That's... And we're still in it yeah. until 2024. Oh, my God. So... These things are synchronistic. Capricorn, we we go into Aquarius. So astrologers are putting out their ideas of what's going to be what, destroyed. What? What would? Yeah, I mean that's Aquarius is a hard one because it's such a um, elevated intellect. It's almost the spiritual or well, you know what? It it, it rules computers and flight, oh, and I think that's going to be God. the beginning of artificial intelligence taking over. Totally. Totally. And space. Yes. And it rules computers. Yes. And I think starting 2024, we're not going to have computers as we know it. It's going to be like in futuristic movies where it's a hologram yeah. in front of you. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And it um, could be death by, if we think of Pluto as death, death by artificial intellect. They're going to kill us. The robots are going to kill us. You know, <laughs> you it, know we can yeah. just think about this. That's so interesting because um, I'm fascinated by AI, and I've had conversations about AI projects where I've been asked um, to, in a certain way, download my creative brain for a project, a creative project that could go on way past my lifetime. What did you think about that? And um, I actually came up with the sperm of the idea and then they added that to it. So I was very excited because obviously for my chart between Pisces rising and Aquarius moon, I'm going to want to go into some other place there. My venture, the zone. You're going to escape reality. <laughs> escape reality. And so I love that. Um, and then there's the part of me that is very grounded. I mean, I do cancers or nurtures or anything, but they're still pretty grounded in, in a different way than Capricorn, but we're sort of feet on the ground. Right. Said, well, we minute um, but I think I would probably do it it's a really big decision yeah I think I would probably do it I, and I haven't committed to it but um, and I'm not sure when but I think that I don't think it'll take my brain away but what it will do is it will take a certain information about design that specifically has to do with this project and it can recalibrate it a hundred times over so that it's it remains a creative entity without me um, which I love actually I mean I can be creative in a lot of different ways and that's one part of being creative like letting go of it and letting it that, have its... I, I see it as that, letting go of that part of my creativity. It doesn't mean I don't have it anymore. It's just that it can be out there for much longer than my lifetime. 
which I find pretty amazing. And if everyone does it, they won't need the people anymore. So, so Aquarius could be the death of people. So, <laughs> so which is why I brought this up because what it's saying to me now is that, and some of my Aquarius interests are pretty out there, and um, and I know they are, and I love it. I know it fascinates <laughs> me in your chart. It totally fascinates I love me it. your moon in yeah, Aquarius. I, I love it, and I and the and I think with the Aquarius there, it sort of. Goes it blends. Yeah, okay, it, so when yeah. we think of what could happen in the future, the Earth is changing signs. That's so major, like the difference between an Aries and a Pisces. It's vast. Yeah. For 2,000 years, the Earth has been a Pisces. And we're segueing back into a Aquarius. Back up, back up. Okay, this is the first time... I've ever had this conversation. So I never thought that the earth could have a sign for a period of time. Okay, so can we just like back into that one a little bit? So explain that. So that's, a, that's cool. Okay. Let's you go with some premises. My premise is, is kind of Jungian, mm -hmm. kind of what I get from meditation, but we live in heaven, um, whatever heaven is. And just like here, when a child becomes a certain age, you may want to leave home and go to college. And in heaven, you get to a point where you want to grow and you will opt to take a physical life, which is like leaving home, going to college for a year, which is one physical lifetime. What was the question? <laughs> So we we were talking about um, oh the, so the the Earth has a sign so and no, Pisces you said it was in Pisces Pisces and Pisces is all about passions and emotions each um, age is heralded by a symbol metaphor a Messiah the Piscean age was heralded by the crucifixion of Christ. Okay. One of the things. So this is so then, the, this is this, this is the for, the earth then has ages as ages ages that okay. it specializes. Okay. So the, so the specialty of this two thousand years was learning the gamut of emotions and passions, and a lot of them are negative. It's all the religious wars and torture and sadness and broken hearts, and also joy. And so one would leave heaven and take courses in different emotions here. Then Aquarius, think of Aquarius as Mr. Spock on Star Trek, nothing but the facts. And for the next 2,000 years, people on Earth will be learning, it's gone, emotions and passions will be gone. So you can picture a hundred years, two hundred years ahead where it's a very unisex gray world. Um, maybe even the creation of a baby might even not happen in the physical body because Aquarius is everything of the mind, not the body. And then and we the think age how, of Aquarius began. Well, I think 
it started in the 70s. In the age of Pisces, we basically had patriarchal gods mm -hmm. everywhere. Mm -hmm. The age of Aquarius is going back to the matriarchal god. And in the 70s, men started washing the dishes and going into the delivery room and helping Wearing to deliver. women's clothes. Yes. And I think it's about a hundred year segue. So if it started in the 70s... It's um, the transition. Yeah. That by 2040 will be fully in the Aquarian age. So I think of it as horrifying unisex, basically, because I'm still a big believer in yin and yang. I think yin and yang are perfect and they fit together perfectly and we should aspire toward that. And then you think of unisex and artificial intelligence and, and everybody wearing clothes that are not emotional. But I have to remind myself, it's not going to happen unless people want it to. So people are going to want that at that time. I would think of it as horrifying. See, now, there are certain things. One of the things, um, this, is, this is great, this conversation, because it relates to something I've been talking about a lot. So in the 70s, we touched each other, right? We would hold each other. Are we having a flashback right now? where friends would hold each other's hands, we'd be dragged around each other, we'd look at each other, kiss each other, look each other in the eye. We can't do this now, because everybody no, it's has illegal. their phone. No, everybody has their phone in their True. hand. And we, we express our emotions through texting, emojis, emails, Snapchat, whatever. Totally. Instead of saying, oh my God, you lost your job. You know what? I'm going to come by and I'm going to give you a hand massage. I'll give you a facial. We'll talk mm -hmm. about it. It's not going to happen again unless there's a, an and think effort. Of it, what it means in the workplace, yeah, yeah. too. And so, so in the workplace, it's very interesting. I think... I think the pendulum went way over, and right. as, as a woman who has been an entrepreneur since forever, for 51 years, I experienced every type of objectification you can imagine for as a woman, yes. and, and we all have, and trying to run a business in the 70s where there were no women running businesses in sort of the traditional sense and doing all of that, the humiliation was extraordinary. The, the experiences were unspeakable. Some of them I, I can't even talk about. All you could about. be when I went to college was a teacher or right. a secretary. So, so to do anything out of that, you were going to have experiences that were off the charts and you had to just keep moving forward. The fact that it went to where it was going, and I was talking a lot about objectification because I thought it was important for women to do that, was good. But now, women, because it is matriarchal and because we are more in charge than we've ever been, we really have to be the ones that bring men back in and make it comfortable for them. Because I, I believe I most men are not bad. They're raised by women who teach them 
how to treat women. And so we have to take a little responsibility for male behavior because who's the first best example? Mother, right? And how mother is treated and how mother expects exactly. to be treated. So I think that there's some hope with the matriarchal concept. And I think there's some hope if we make an effort to touch each other. You know, you, you see, you put your hand out right away because we're like days apart. But when I do this, it's not always, people are like, oh, I could see in their face, why is she holding my hand? I know, it's alien. It's like, <laughs> why is she holding my hand? And I think, and I say, I just remember being draped all over my friends and we were huggy boys, girls, everybody never, we, it was just, we loved each other. We loved touching each other. We loved just being with each other and feeling that the body heat from each other. And I'm not talking, it wasn't all about sex. A lot of it was exploration, but it wasn't all about and sex. And think of slow dancing when we were young. Yeah. Doesn't happen now. It's a little bit, but it's not the same. It's different. But I think we have to make an effort to give everyone this experience of how wonderful touch is. Whether we touch someone old, or we touch young babies, or we touch our pets, mm -hmm. we touch each other emotionally with a note even instead of mm -hmm. like these emoji things but emojis see, right seeing someone or thinking about someone and sending them a note saying i was just thinking about you and whatever that's a that's reaching out but the actual connection physically is critical for human beings and if we're not going to be ai consumed and I'm not as fearful as a with my chart. You know, I, I well, no, get, you're here to lead us into. The I get so excited about it, yeah. but I also feel like you do. I, I'm not going to give up this touching thing. I'm not going to. I want everybody to know that experience because I think that being touched is is almost more of a commitment. Holding someone's hand and looking in their eyes is a bigger commitment than having sex is. Mm -hmm. Sex, you don't have to look in Eye anybody's face. Eye contact itself generates truth. Right. And when we're doing everything through a gizmo, we're not getting or, that truth. Or even just sex in the mechanical sense, you don't even have to look in somebody's eyes, right? So having that, holding someone's hand and looking in their eyes is such a deep personal generous exchange of emotion, of caring, of touching someone inside, that that's very important for us. And I think that's, that's the balance between the A and, and here you that. are, what we were talking about earlier, Cancer Sun, Aquarius Moon, that's what you have. Now, if you were less evolved, the nurturing emotional cancer part of you would be in conflict with Aquarius and they would fight like two children fight. Who's gonna who's who's it gonna be now? The Aquarius or the Cancer. Mm -hmm. But you have it in a way that's elevated. So you have the full spectrum of cancer, which is 
everything we're talking about, emotional, touching, nurturing, psychic. But it's in harmony with your Aquarius moon, which is vibrating on the intellect only. Aquarians don't touch each other. They don't touch other people. (laughs) But you have put your two together. So I guess in... There was a word they had when there was a, a whole, everything was, everybody was talking about people with multiple personalities. And some psychiatrist's goal was integration instead of getting rid of them and keeping one. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the goal of the chart. You've got ten planets that's there. That's so fascinating. And they're all different. It's like having ten inner children. Right. And if you just pay attention to one, the other children are going to grow up and get you back. Right. And they get you back with anxiety and, and integrating them is it's to really, integrate them. Yeah, that that is it's a very good way of explaining that it isn't one sign; it's an integration of so all. So if your if your sun sign is Aries, you're on the go 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 go. Even when you're not at work, you're making phone calls and thinking mm-hmm. of work, and. What if your moon was in Pisces? It's like the Pisces inner child is thrown in a closet and the door slams shut. Mm. So you look at the chart and I'll say, you have to make two days a week accommodate your Pisces inner child (laughs) who doesn't want to have a schedule, Mm. wants to daydream. And if you don't, that child's going to get you back. And so, gets you back. Well, so, but wouldn't Aries give that time to a, a Pisces? Well, not if it's an order. And not if they do it because, ugh, If they don't love doing it, it doesn't count. Mm. It don't work. They have to love that Pisces right. child. So you, ha- you so you're a Gemini with a Virgo rising, and Virgo so moon. Virgo moon. So there, you just talked about Gemini and Virgo, putting those together, meshing those. That's a, that's those are two different personalities. They're different, but I love both of them, and half my life. So you know your your home environment should replicate your moon sign. It's how you get emotional well-being acting your moon Mm -hmm. sign. And my home is filled with books. Yeah, your house is information. But it's also very orderly. And orderly. Orderly. It's really lovely, by the way. And then my, thank you, (laughs) my Gemini son is more cavalier about order. So my house looks perfect. Don't open doors or drawers because everything will fall on you. <laughs> and I'm fine right. with it. I live for the Gemini. <laughs> the house is Aquarius, which is good. We both like the house. But he, he has his rooms that are very Gemini. What's his son? He's a Gemini. He, he's a Gemini with a Gemini rising and Gemini and Jupiter. This is really good. Because, uh, for, well, first of all, Gemini, in the aspects, the mathematical aspects, some of the gods and goddesses are friends, some square each other. But Gemini and Aquarius love each other, 
So for him, he's got no conflict being both. Sometimes I teach my students to look at this circle of the chart as a round table in Olympus. So Gemini, so you're saying, just in case people don't understand, so the Gemini sun loves the Aquarius moon. They're in right, so, a trine. Okay, so yeah, that's a what soft you meant angle. That. Okay, so go ahead. So then. sometimes you can look at the chart, a circle with all these planets distributed around, and think of it as a round table on Olympus, and all the gods and goddesses are sitting there having lunch. And what they were doing when you took your first breath is the chart. So you can look at this and you could say, oh, there was a little cabal here with the sun, north node, Saturn, and Mercury. They were having a ball, but they were all mad, red line, mad at Neptune. Mm -hmm. So there's going to be trouble there. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to get too intrusive, but the sun squaring Neptune, the sun represents the father. Was your father missing? Like, it means not a silhouette, yeah. not yeah. able to be the strong figure of a father. Yeah. yeah. Almost always, Neptune's the planet of addiction. So if the sun's mad at Neptune in the person's life, the father is an addict or alcoholic. Yeah, there you go. So yeah. you can see here who was having fun, mm -hmm. who was, uh, Uranus was ostracized. He's all by himself in your chart. Mm -hmm. And he represents your free spirit. So for you to be able to express your renegade maverick, part of you and does that you had no me? support no there's, there's nobody was helping you <laughs> no there is my renegade has not <laughs> been released uh, it's so funny because people think that i'm like totally out there totally, i never did any drugs through through our time right now yeah. who did not do drugs never did any drugs never drank never I was very, I was working and doing all that. So that's why this he had no little support. renegade, where was, it, where was he going to go? He had no support <laughs> at all. That's so funny. So even that tells the story. And what is the story? Math. The angles that they hit each other in the mm -hmm. circle. So one of the things that people don't realize about astrology in general is that they always think, well, this is my sign, this is who I am, and and will I meet someone, and what sign is that one? But you just really very easily saw, for one, that there I had a father figure who was absent um, a small period of time that was positive for me as a child, but then there was an absence, and what was the reason? It's right there in the chart. So there's a history that you There's can a history, say. and then if we use that metaphor, we live in heaven, and we came here to college. Mm -hmm. What that means is before you, the soul leaps into the physical, he's going to sit down with his guidance counselor in the sky and tell the guidance counselor what his main mission, his What's major the is. Here? Yeah. And then yours. You have a soft spot for women and children. I do. And animals and third world countries. 
you're a nurturer and whatever heals and makes people feel better is your mission and cancer rules women and it's mostly women so now he would have said your guidance counselor in the sky okay so you're you want to nurture make women blossom and children and any underdog and he says so I just have to check something but he said okay so but you know the courses you take the required courses are going to be things like abandonment and disillusionment and there was one time when he said oh you're going to have to take being manipulated you have to stand up to pressure and it'll feel like if you do your truth, everything's going to crash. And you went, okay, give that to me in 1974. <laughs> do you remember 1974? <laughs> it would have been the but, death of something. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, everything you just said so, is, is, first of all, the whole everything you said about women and why I, uh, my purpose and not ever having this conversation with you, quite frankly, my, one of the things I feel is very important for people to understand in this lifetime is what is your purpose? What ultimately should you be doing? And so through the years, obviously I discovered my purpose was to help women feel good and make them look pretty and make them feel good about themselves. And now it's Which about is a being precursor healthy. to the Aquarian age yeah. for women coming into power. That's right. So, I, so ha, understanding that, then, like you said, in 1974, I realized that my husband wasn't going to be the breadwinner. He wasn't the person who was going to run the business. He was. It wasn't his role in life. He, he was miscast in our relationship. And, you know, he, he was just dating every sales girl and they were telling me what to do. And I finally said, there is some pride and human, human respect I have to have for myself. So I walked away from our business together. And so Pluto was the transit and he rules death. So there was the death the of end that. Of that. And then from that, which is, the, you know, the, the scorched earth, is there's, there's a new beginning. And I never in a million years, first of all, nobody heard me speak because I was so quiet. I never in a million years thought I could run a business, but I didn't think of it that way. I just thought, I have to survive. I have to do this. I have to make this work. I found my passion. I found what I love. And I had $98. And with that... So you even remembered that. Oh, my God. You can't forget. It was a turning point year. Yeah. There was going to be... So Pluto was hitting your sun. And in your chart, your sun sign is your sense of self. So who you were from birth to 1973, by the time we got to 1975, mm. a total different sense of self. Yeah. And that was the beginning of realizing that I could do what a man did. And I could, I, I had to, 
and that I could do, I didn't know any other women that had businesses or that I could talk to. And so this was the so beginning. So what did you do, actually? I, I never spoke to anybody. I was so shy, and my husband was beautiful and charming, and, and I sat in the sample room making clothes. So I realized I needed to tell people my story. I needed to say, this is what's just happened, and I need help. I, would, I was so proud that I could never ask for help. And I didn't think people knew I existed, and I got help, and I learned how to pay bills and to pay back m money. And so today, I don't owe any money. I own my own business. I've never had partners, and I've led a creative life with the purpose of making women feel good about themselves. So how you saw that and my purpose through a chart and you and I, in our first meeting together, talked about a hundred other things. Mm -hmm. So this is the first time you actually, this, I don't want to, people think that we like are reenacting something. This is something. We haven't talked yeah. since then. So this is, this is actually just defining my purpose and how it got there. And it has to come through a series of these events. And the Pluto one is. Right, so from birth until then, you were manifesting a false personality created to handle all these squares yeah, and oppositions. Yeah, the early stuff, yeah. And then Pluto killed it, because if you didn't change, you wouldn't survive. Yeah. And so you're forced, even with $98, what would I do with that? Like a practical person would say... Are you kidding? You better stay where you are. You know, how are you going to live? And I had a mattress. I didn't have curtains. I didn't have any. I had a mattress. That was it. And I knew, I was clear that I knew what I had to do. Let me ask you something else. Next Pluto transit you had was in 1986. No question. And no that was question. more personal because it was your moons to your moons. Well, out. it was actually, it, it, it's, a, it's a big, actually it's a big story, and it's a very, um, and I haven't talked about it, and, I, and I'm going to, um, but that was huge. Huge. I was in it by myself and there were very few people who understood what was going on and I I'm shocked I made it through that I'm shocked I made it through so if Pluto was hitting your moon one of the things your moon shows is how a person can have a sense of well-being emotionally be is to be your moon sign but that was getting annihilated and the moon represents your relationship with your mother. Was that key at that point? Not so much. This or was, women in yeah, general. But this was just, this is, um, uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's a very controversial thing that, mm -hmm. um, that, so I don't want to talk about the, mm -hmm. the, every detail of it, but it was a little bit more, 
it was a moon connected thing in a way, but it actually was, um, it was bigger than me. It wasn't just about me and it was about what's fair. It's a bigger, bigger, bigger story. Right. So when you're in the Pluto transit, what you're supposed to do is be your truth against adversity. But the reason people aren't is because it it seems as if if I act my truth now, this whole structure is going to crash. So they don't act their truth. Mm. And then from then on, they're supporting a false structure. Yeah. And then you find out if you have a leap of faith and say, I'm just going to be you my truth to. and let... Yeah everything fall where it may, you come out Persephone yeah. the goddess. And and you never lose because the experience of that Pluto, whatever it is, um, just it it just creates a, a sense of power. You can, That's what it's about, yeah, your you personal can, power. Yeah, you can do so much more than you think you can do. And then one of the things Pluto rules also is power, whether you have access to your power or not. And when you get Pluto transits, everything overpowers you. So if you don't find your power, you go under. Mm. And people think power means, like a CEO, how many thousand people do you control? That's power. That's not power. Mm. Power is how many people do not control you. Mm. So to take a stand for yourself during a Pluto transit mm. is huge. Huge. It's huge. Um, yeah, people don't know enough about Pluto, and you definitely... Um, bring up the importance of the fact that Pluto is so much a, a part of everybody's life and your sun sign says one thing but then every one of the planets gives you another interaction with who you are and Pluto another is the most profound, right? So it's, it's just fascinating and we could do I think we're going to have to do more of this again since yes. I feel... You know what we need to talk up. about? The question of if astrology predictions are accurate, what does that say about free will? Next Easy answer. One. Next, Next time. One. Next one. <laughs> Seriously, we'll, we'll follow up with this. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. This I, has been I more than wonderful. I love your perspective. It's, it's really... Um, unique and um and and you're just charming and adorable thank you so, so thank much. you so much